Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So the book of Ephesians, uh, we're busy with the book of Ephesians and we're most likely going to be busy with it until the end of the year and that shouldn't make you sad, amen, um, because it's God's word and the, the letters that the, the, the apostles made available to us, there's so much power in them and there's so much revelation uh, revealed through them to us about what Jesus came to accomplish. Because if you go to the Old Testament and you study out the Old Testament, there's a lot of things concealed in the Old Testament. There's a lot of things that are uh, vague, shadows pointing to what was to come. And so it can be quite confusing if you go to the Old without understanding the fulfillment of Christ. Amen. So the epistles are really an, an, an explanation of what Jesus came to do. It's a, it's a, it's a revealing, make to, making the mystery that was in the old, making it known to us, making it plain to us. So we should be very excited to be camping in Ephesians for such a long period of time. And I'm going to just quickly recap from uh, the previous time we were in Ephesians. We looked at the Bible having one message, and only that one message has the power to bring change. Only that one message, the one message of the gospel of Christ, Jesus coming to die for the sins of the world, Jesus coming to make a way for God's spirit to live in man, and now that spirit bringing transformation, that spirit changing our nature, and now we have the nature of Christ, and that nature wants to come to the surface. Amen? That nature, we should keep it suppressed underneath the surface, underneath all of the dirt. That's that, the nature of Christ wants to blow out of our lives and impact the people around us, bring change in our societies, in our spheres. Amen. And Paul laid down, Jesus laid down his life for this one message. Paul laid down his life to make this one message known, our oneness with Christ and one another. And we're digging into this. We're looking at the importance of this because if we understand how valuable and how important things are, what do we do with it? Anyone have something really valuable on them right now? Probably a, a wedding ring or uh, I'm not talking about the money. That's not valuable. Like the, it's like, I'm talking, like a wedding ring or a watch that you inherited from someone. Um, and if you don't have something very valuable on you, you probably have something quite valuable at home like, that you kind of maybe clean every week and you're like really like sentimental about it. You don't want anyone to touch it. Um, it's probably your piano. Um <laughs> So there's, there's, there's things that we hold dear and we have high value upon and we really take care of those things. Like we, we, we really um, become emotional when someone wants to hurt that thing or, or scratch it or, or do something to it. Now, we need to come to understand the value of the gospel, the message of the gospel, because if we come to understand its value, man, we are going to become emotional about it. We're going to become sentimental about it. We're going to become protective about it. That's God's heart for us, to see the value of the gospel because this is really the power to bring change. The change the change we want to see in this nation, the change we want to see in the world. There's only one thing that's going to bring that change. It's the gospel of Christ, ministering that gospel and being witnesses of that gospel. So Ephesians 3 verse 8 to 9, and then we'll carry on with chapter 3. Ephesians 3, 8 to 9. And I want to invite you, think about the word this morning. Ask questions to yourself. Make notes. 
Allow the word to sink in deep because the word is as powerful as it's ever been. The words that we're going to get into this morning, it's as powerful as it's ever been. It's never been more powerful as it was when it was penned down, as it is today. But the impact of that power, the, 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 the greed to what the word is impacting us is again, like I shared this morning, it's the condition of your heart. It's having a humility to the word, to be challenged by the word, to be transformed by the word. You need to say, Father, if there's something I need to be challenged by this morning, I want to be challenged. If that's not your response, you're probably going to walk out of this room the same. That's not like a prophetic negative declaration of you. That's just how God's word works. He opposes the proud, but there's more grace for the humble. If you want to be exalted, you need to come to the word of God with humility. I need to come to the word of God with humility. Otherwise, it's going to do us deadly squat. Yes, you may be going to go to heaven one day. Praise God for that. If you've chosen Jesus, if you said yes to Jesus, you're going to go to heaven. But I ministered to someone this morning, um, someone uh, who's, who's homeless, just asking for some, some coffee and something to eat. And I said, like, God's heart for you is not to just go to heaven one day. He wants you to have, have, a, have a significant life here on earth. He wants you to bear fruit here on earth. He wants you to feel that you are valuable here on earth. Not just be someone who kind of has to go around begging for, for food and things like that. He wants you to know that he came to die for your life. So the, your, the worth of your life, the value of your life is the life of Christ. That's powerful. Your life, your price tag is Jesus' blood. That's how valuable you are. You need to understand how valuable you are. Because this world puts price tags on us. Society puts price tags on us. It says if you're homeless or if you're without a job, then you're kind of a second-class citizen. If you're um, not coming from this school or you haven't come from that specific area, or if you've got this skin color or you've whatever the world. Society puts different price tags on us, but the only price tags that should matter to us, that we should hold dear to our hearts is Jesus' life. That is your worth, and we need to come to see that. So Ephesians 3, 8 to 9, unto me who am less than the least of all the saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unbelievers, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of this mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Now, I'm just going to camp on this a little bit. From the beginning of the ages, and we looked at this a few weeks ago, talking about in this mystery and the revealing of this mystery and the gospel of Christ, what we're talking about, it wasn't something that just kind of came onto the scene a few years ago. It wasn't like God had a plan and then the plan failed and then he had to go back to the drawing board. It's like... Yeah, this didn't work out like th that equation. Yeah, maybe I need to change something here to kind of compensate for the mistake. No, from the beginning of time, God foresaw. God knows everything from the beginning. And so from the beginning of time, this has been God's plan. This has been God's purpose from the beginning of the ages. Verse 10 and 11 says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan. Again, so it's this continuation emphasizing that it was an eternal plan from the beginning. His eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. What did he do? He carried it out. Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus came to complete. Jesus came to fulfill. So all of those things means that something happened. 
There was a sentence and then there was a full stop. You guys get the picture? Good stuff. I'm in good company here. You guys are thinking, you guys are responding. <laughs> Verse 11 from the Amplified Classic says, This is in accordance with the terms of the eternal and timeless purpose which he has re realized and carried into effect in the person of Christ Jesus our Lord. He carried it into effect in the person of Christ Jesus our Lord. This plan has been there from the beginning of time. And man, is that awesome because you have been on God's heart from the beginning of time. Longer than you can imagine, you've been on God's heart. That's how valuable you are to Him. That's how, how much pleasure, how much delight He finds in His children. And so much more when someone comes to know Him as Father. Because those who don't know Him as Father, He loves them dearly. Jesus died for the whole world, not just for the people who said yes to Jesus. Because guess what? You weren't alive when Jesus died for you. So he couldn't have sent Jesus for you saying yes to him because you only said yes to him a few years ago. If I'm scouting the room, none of you probably more than 60 years ago. I think I, I didn't miss someone. You are on God's heart. He is concerned about you. He's concerned about your life, your struggles, your challenges. But the thing is this. Jesus gave us authority. So maybe some of the things that you are challenged with today, some of the things that you are struggling with today, Maybe praying the prayer, God, will you free me from this challenge? Or maybe the prayer of God, help me be free from this addiction is not the right prayer. Because guess what? God did something. He sent Jesus. And him sending Jesus means something. It means if you've received Christ, you've received something. Jesus told his disciples, Matthew 28, all authority. Say with me, all authority. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you go, therefore, because of this, you've been given the authority of Christ. John 14 verse 12, Jesus says that you will do the same works. Say same works. Amen. You'll do the same works as I and even greater works. Say greater works. Good stuff. This isn't a cult, just if you knew you and you're wondering like we're reciting different things. It's not a cult. We're just speaking out the word of God. We're having the word sink into our hearts. We're responding to it. It's good. Um, so Jesus said, you'll do the same works as me and greater works than these. Did Jesus have any struggles or challenges with addictions? No. He was empowered with the spirit of God. That empowering enabled him to be free from all addictions, all, all, all things that could affect his life. Now, yes, Jesus was the son of God. I get that. But you've got the same spirit. Romans 8, 11 says the same spirit that rise, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living inside of you, giving life to your mortal bodies. Not a little spirit, but the same spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That empowering Acts 1 verse 8 says that you receive power. That power is talking about ability. Guess what ability is? Ability to say no to addiction. Ability to say no to what your flesh has been trained to live in and to do, to say no to that. That is the ability of Christ in you. To live a changed life, a transformed life, a life that is different to what you've been set up to live up until the point you receive Christ. Now maybe you need some renewing in your mind to come to understand and being uh, fully convinced about these truths. 
But these truths that we are talking about this morning is in the word of God. It's found in the word of God. It's been written for us. It's been released for us. But some of us are maybe experiencing it to, to more extent, more, more, more to deeper degrees than some others. And it doesn't mean God loves us more. He favors the one more than the other one. It just means that someone has maybe responded more to the truths of God's word. And each one of us with our free will get to respond to the word of God to various degrees. Because when you got born again, God didn't remove your free will from you. When you got born again, you still have your free will. And up until the time when we go to be with the Lord one day in heaven, you have free will to choose life or to choose death. Now, yes, you cho chose life when you received Christ, but from receiving Christ, you now get to renew your mind to what does daily choices of life look like? What does daily choices to be a living sacrifice look like? We get to choose those things. But God's plan and his purpose from the beginning of time was to be united with man and to, uh, for us to experience a unity that goes beyond natural biology, that goes beyond to your blood relatives. Some of your blood relatives are maybe not born again and you're not going to enjoy eternity with them. And that shouldn't make you sad if, if they've passed on and, and uh, there's no more opportunities to minister the gospel to them. Like that's a different story. But I want to ask you to, to consider maybe you are the minister of reconciliation for your family, for your colleague, for your friend. It doesn't make you more, more special or anything like that. We just need to realize that God wants to do the work of evangelism through his body. One of the gifts of the body is evangelism. The one of the gifts of the spirit. And each one of us gets to operate in that gifting whenever we want to because we've got one spirit. And that one spirit is the greatest evangelist of all. Amen. Jesus was the greatest evangelist of all. Did Jesus say he'll do the same works as me? Yes. So if he was a great evangelist, guess what you can be? A great evangelist. I know I'm challenging the introverts this morning. And maybe you're thinking this morning, oh, Etienne, it's easy for you to say you're an extrovert. But whatever your strong suit is as an introvert, I can do that as well. Why? Because I've got the spirit of Christ inside of me. And Jesus said the same works. Not the, in accordance to your personality, in accordance to X, Y, and Z. No T's and C's. Same spirit of Christ. Same spirit of God. Same works as Jesus. We'll get into that a little bit more uh, when we get to Ephesians chapter 4. Um, let's jump down to Ephesians 3 verse 12. In whom, talking about Christ, talking about Jesus, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by, faith, the, by the faith of him. This is from the King James. And and maybe this isn't sounding like grammatically correct and it sounds a little bit like vague. But the King James often just puts things in such a way that it's very literal. And by trying to make things sound more grammatically correct than other translations, they're messing it all up. And it's not to this other translations, but we need to understand the significance of in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Let's start at the beginning. By the faith of him. Not by, there's a difference between having faith in Christ and having the faith of Christ. What would you rather like? Would you like to have wealth in FNB? Or would you rather like the wealth of FNB? 
of in is proportional it's percentages the wealth of is you have the wealth of f and b galatians 2 verse 20 is a, is a good example of this and the king james says um paul is writing he's writing about i've been crucified with christ it's no longer i who live but christ who lives in me and the life that i now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god not faith in the Son of God. Yes, you put your faith in Christ. You responded to Him. But from that point on, your faith is no longer human faith. It is supernatural infused Holy Spirit faith. The faith of the Son of God. The faith that moves mountains. It's God's faith that you are operating in. It's a big difference. We need to start seeing it. It's a different thing. It's not human faith trying to accomplish something. It is supernatural God faith infused with the Holy Spirit to accomplish that which the Holy Spirit was sent for. Can I get some excitement in the room? Because I'm excited about this. This is God's heart for us to, 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 to not just take the word as something. Oh, it's a nice fairy tale, nice story. Etienne. Let's go home and have a good meal and kind of pretend as if all there is to Christianity is to enjoy heaven one day. Like we need to, as believers, as a church of God, we need to stop having this, this, this small picture of what the Christian life is supposed to look like, of just in heaven one day, or let's hope that the world gets better. Let's hope that that person gets saved. Let's hope that that person doesn't die of X, Y, and Z. Jesus never said, like, I hope that you guys are going to make it. I hope that my prayers are going to work. I hope that that person is going to receive Christ. The word hope is very like misunderstood oftentimes and even from a biblical uh, point of view. We're not going to get into that this morning, but one thing I'll share with hoping is if your hoping is not aligning with the word of God and backed up with action, then you're just kind of dreaming about things. The hope that we've got in the things of God and the faith that backs up to, to bring that hope to pass needs to line up with the word of God. When, when Abraham and Sarah believed God for his promise, firstly of the Holy Spirit, but also of their son Isaac, it wasn't, they weren't unsure about that hope. Guess what? They actually had some action involved with making that come to pass, right? I don't need to get too graphic. And Adina's is laughing. She knows what's happening there. Um, they, they needed to put their faith into practice, into action. You don't just have babies by hoping to have a baby. Okay, some of you are getting it now. Okay, good stuff. Moving on. So that is the faith of him. There's a difference between having the faith. There's a confidence. The awesome thing with this is, and this is, this is going to bless you, this boldness, this, this confidence, this access that we've got, if it's based on his faith, if it's based on his faithfulness, man, it's the only time and way that we can have full confidence. Because if it's based on your faithfulness, I, who, who of you like slipped up this past week in some area? You didn't do the dishes maybe when you were supposed to, or you kind of said you're going to do something and then you didn't do it as, as nicely as if you wanted to, as, as your spouse expected you to, like, there's, there's, there's many opportunities of us slipping up and kind of not, not necessarily doing things completely faithfully or to, to, the, to the degree that we would have wanted to. The awesome thing with God is with Jesus, what he came to do. 
He was perfectly faithful. He perfectly fulfilled what he said he was going to come fulfill. He perfectly completed what he said he was going to complete. And now the lives that we are living, we're living, having full boldness and confidence in him, in what he did, in his faith, in his faithfulness. Numbers 23 verse 19 says this, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not a human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? All rhetorical questions. I love Isaiah chapter 55. It talks about as the rain comes down, the rain and the snow comes down and it waters the earth and it gives nourishment and it brings forth life. So it is the same with God's word. It is sent forth and it will accomplish the things which it was sent forth to accomplish. Jesus was sent forth. Jesus accomplished. Jesus fulfilled. The Spirit of God living in man is the answer for us to see transformation in this world. And the only way we can have the Spirit of God in us is obviously by responding in faith to the grace of God, the gift that was given to us. And now on a daily basis, we're growing and understanding this. That is what Ephesians, this epistle, and all of the other epistles really is about. It's writing about it and it's making known to the believers the fulfillment of Christ, the power of Christ. We've said this over and over, Ephesians 1, 2, 3, identity. This is who you are in Christ. This is what Jesus came to do for you. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. Now, because of this, let's bring change, transformation. Let's make a difference in our worlds. Let's have the kingdom of God manifest here on earth through the church and through our lives when we go out into the world. That is God's heart for us. That is what the epistles is all about. It's not about, hey, you need to go and do this, do these 10 things. No, it's discovering who we are in God, God in us, and going to live it out. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he who is calling you to himself and utterly trustworthy, and he will also do it, fulfill his call by, by hollowing and keeping you. Now, this is beautiful. And if he, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.24, Faithful is he who is calling you, faithful is he who called you, and he will also keep you to the end. That's beautiful. Again, man, if we have to hold on to our faithfulness in trusting in God and kind of hold on to and being assured of like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe and I'm going to believe until Jesus comes back again. I'm not going to slip up on believing. It's always going to be constant. I'm never going to have a low until Jesus comes back again. Man, if that is your life of assurance, of confidence, you are going to have days where you're not going to feel as confident. But man, when you're holding on to Jesus is faithful, Jesus is good, Jesus did the work, it was complete, it was perfect, and he is going to keep me till the end. When I'm below, it's like, praise God, it's not dependent on me. I just needed to respond. I just needed to receive. And God is the one that is faithful, keeping me. The work that God did, the supernatural work that he did, and it's difficult to understand because we don't see it, right? When we see things, oftentimes it kind of makes more sense and hence makes more sense. Um, when, when we see things and we experience things in the natural, like it kind of makes a little bit more sense. When we're talking about the Spirit of God living in man, we don't see that. But that is, and that is why the Word of God is so important and so valuable because the Word explains these things for us. The Word makes it plain for us. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. One spirit, there, 
we have to stop having this, this separation mindset between God is there and I'm here kind of, and I need to kind of approach him. And then like a, if, if I've got a good week, then like he draws closer to me because like he's not as offended at my unholiness as he was the previous week when I was living very unholy. Like all of these things, it sounds silly when we're talking about it. We have these mindsets that we've been trained to have because of our upbringings, because of religion and all of these things. But it's contrary to the word of God. We need to get to the word of God and rightly divide the word of truth so that we can experience God in his true nature. I wanted to say something else, but uh, it slipped my mind. Maybe it will come back in a moment. Ephesians 3, 13 to 15. So I ask you not to lose heart, not to faint or become despondent through fear. At what I am suffering in your behalf, rather glory in it, for it is an honor to you. For this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus, um, Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that Father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. That's awesome. Now, there's a, there's a lot in here that we want to get to. But one of the things that we see from these, these few verses in the verse 13 specifically now. Not, why would, okay, firstly, most of you would understand that the, the, the struggles and the sufferings and the trials and things that Paul went through, it was pretty severe. Being shipwrecked, being beaten, being, being uh, thrown with rocks and things like that, being without food, being imprisoned. All of these things, and then eventually, obviously, he was, he was martyred. Um, all of these things that he experienced, he experienced it for one specific purpose. Maybe you are experiencing some hardships. I want to ask you, how many of the hardships, the trials, the tribulations and things you are experiencing, how many of them are because you walked in an adamant, purposeful direction to make the gospel of Christ known? How many of them are just because... You're living life and you're kind of doing your own thing and every now and then you're hoping that God will come through and do something amazing in your life. And Amen, oh me. Really this, this is challenging you to the degree where you're not feeling condemned, but where you're realizing, man, there's more to life than just having a good time. There's more to life than just having your needs met. There's more to life than just kind of going through the motions of you studying, then you get a job, then you get married and then you have a few kids and then you have a few more and then you have your house and then you have grandchildren and then you die and go to be with the Lord. Man, your funeral isn't going to be that cool. I'm just, I'm just going to give it to you. Your funeral is not going to be that cool. I want my funeral to be awesome where people testify of lives being impacted by my life. We testify of Paul's life currently because he lived life on purpose. He lived from his DNA, from his design, a son of God who knew the love of God, not just for himself, but also for the world out there. Because the gospel isn't self-centered. The gospel isn't just about you. Yes, it's about you. Jesus died for the individual. But when you come to know the true gospel, you're going to realize that it's not just about you. It's about the people around you as well, that God so much loves, wants to reach, wants them to Im be impacted with his love. Don't lose heart. He's writing to the church. He says, don't lose heart at these things. Don't faint or become despondent through fear. 
So he is writing these things because obviously there were people that were becoming despondent, becoming fearful. We're living in times and maybe our, our faith isn't as persecuted as much as it's being persecuted in other parts of the world where there needs to be underground churches and things like that. But think about it. When the times come, how, how, how's your faith going to look? The faith that you're having today, the Christian life, so to speak, that you're living today, how would it look under severe persecution? And that's, that's kind of one of the questions that we asked um, before even lockdown happened and before COVID hit is how are we building church? What is the church that we are building? Whatever persecution comes and we can't have church traditionally anymore where we get to meet together in person. We ask those questions. And so when lockdown came, we were a lot more prepared than a lot of other churches not necessarily asking that question. And a lot of churches are still maybe hoping that things are going to go back to normality. What if they don't? How long are they going to hope for things to change? Go back to normal. I'm not saying let's settle for wearing masks the rest of our lives. But if you're upset about having to wear a mask and that is hindering you being a witness for the gospel, you're missing the plot. I don't like wearing masks. I'm not currently wearing one. <laughs> for those on screen, I'm keeping my distance a little bit. Or those online. And I'm just joking. But it's really important. The things that Paul held near and dear and says, don't, don't be alarmed, don't be despondent, don't become despondent because of my sufferings, because it's on your behalf. How much of your life is about it's on your behalf? How much of your life is about the things, the decisions you're making is about other people, considering other people, considering other people's eternities? Think about that for a moment. Let it linger. I'm thinking about it. I'm also asking these questions to myself. I'm not preaching at you. I'm ministering to us. And the Holy Spirit is ministering to me as well as I'm ministering to you. For this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan. So, so Paul is writing again about this plan. And this is why he's doing what he's doing. And then he's bowing his knees before the Father. For, from whom every family in heaven is named. And I like how the uh, classic puts it. Um, in brackets, there, the father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. That's awesome. And so much of the world is living fatherless. I'm not talking about natural biological fathers. I'm talking about not knowing the father, not knowing the father heart of God. And if you've experienced the father heart of God, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful truth. It's a beautiful reality. Has it changed your life? If it hasn't, a life is to make it more clear, more, more uh, real to you because it should be changing your heart. It should be changing your life. Not to the degree where you're like, man, I'm just the happiest person in the world. And man, this is awesome. God loves me so much. You, know, you just do your thing. Yeah, man, God is good. No, 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 no. Don't worry about you. Like, you just carry on like, man, this is awesome. Like, I just want to be locked up in my closet. And man, that's not... God's love for you is going to burst forth from you where you won't be able to not share this with the people around you. Have them also experience this. Have them taste this. If you came across something, say you came across a limited source of gold, okay? You come, come across a limited source of gold. There's only so much. You can only carry a little bit. Like You're going to keep that to yourself. I'm pretty sure most of you are going to keep that to yourself and Maybe not all of you. Um, but if you come across a source of gold and it this, this, you get this machine that is just supplying gold continually, doesn't run dry. 
you're going to share that with some people. But not too many because otherwise, obviously, the gold's value is going to drop a little bit. You guys can get the supply and demand uh, uh, scenario. So gold's maybe not the greatest example. But the point is this. The love of Christ, the goodness of God, it's limitless. And we want to share this with the world because the more we share this with the world, the more we're going to see the world change. The more we're going to see, man, love just flow throughout our nation. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 6 to 8, and we're coming to close, wrapping it up. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 6 to 8 says, But now Timothy has re just returned, bring us good news about your faith and your love. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering. Dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith, it gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. So yeah, we see the scenario where Timothy was sent and he was sent to encourage the believers and then he came back with a good report. And Paul and them are encouraged by them standing strong in their faith. But, uh, um, but, but uh, it says, bring us good news about your faith and your love. And this faith and love, what he's talking about, they were also experiencing, the church community was experiencing hardships, was experiencing trials. And for all of us experiencing hardships and trials, there could be an opportunity for us to stop standing strong in our faith and what we believe and the love of God and the goodness of God. And that's really something that the devil and circumstances and our enemies, that the number one tactic that he has in this life is to make you doubt the word of God. So when things happen in our lives, one of the first things that we're going to think about is, is God really good? Why did this happen? Because God's word says X, Y, and Z. Like you ask those questions and you get challenged about the truths in the word of God. And that's why it's so important for us to become assured of God's goodness, of his word, to become unshakable in what we stand for and what we believe. Because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. The trials are going to come. Tribulation will come. Persecution will come. Jesus said, for all who live godly in this life will suffer persecution. It's a given. Stop complaining. Reign through it. Don't complain. Reign. Rhymes. Did you guys hear? <laughs> Don't complain about the sufferings, the trials and tribulations you are experiencing. Reign through it. How do you reign through it? Keeping the main thing, the main thing. Ministering the gospel. Living for the gospel. Paul could have complained. Oh, I'm in prison again. Oh, they throw rocks at my head again. Man, let's, let's be a church that don't complain. Let's be a church that throughout persecution, throughout trials, we stop complaining on Facebook and we minister the gospel. Perspective is everything. 2 Corinthians 4. We're closing with 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Verse 13 to 16 from the New Living Translation says, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. What is your belief leading to? James says that faith without works is dead. He's not saying that faith is a work and you have to work up more faith. No, he's saying what you believe is going to lead to something. The psalmist says, I believed and I spoke. You could also just say, I believed and there was action. What we believe should be producing actions in our lives. 
If we believe that the gospel message, what Jesus came to do for us, is the greatest news of all time. If we believe that, guess what we're going to do with that news? We're going to share it. If we value the gospel so much that, man, the world needs to come to know this because this is the answer to every problem in this world. Corruption. Guess what the answer is? The gospel. I'm not going to use any other examples. I don't want to lose a few of you. Um, I want to just kind of keep it simple. Corruption is more like we're all against corruption and we're all on the same page with that. I hope so. Um, but the gospel changes hearts. It changes people's actions. Corruption will change when the gospel comes into people's hearts and people respond to the gospel. I believe that I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus uh, uh, will also raise us with Jesus and present us himself together with you. So this is beautiful again in Ephesians 9, Corinthians as, uh, as well. We, we see this picture of, of togetherness the whole time, community, union, together with you. He's not just writing to an individual. He's writing to a group of people. He's writing to a family, to a church. Even Ephesians, we need to stop studying the, world, the word of God as an individual message just for me. It's for you, but it involves so much more than just you. It's a family, it's a community that God wants us to experience with one another. All of this, verse 15, all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, say more and more people. There will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Why don't we give up? Because of this, the gospel that needs to go out. We realize that the gospel is the answer, so we're not going to give up. Because what happens if we give up? Then the world is just going to carry on becoming darker and darker. But when we don't give up and we preach the gospel with full assurance, with full conviction, with a boldness, then the light is going to get brighter and brighter and God will get more and more glory. Verse 16, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. So yes, there might be things that you're experiencing today and your body is decaying. But praise God, there's going to be a time where we're going to receive new bodies, glorified bodies, glorified souls, glorified minds that line up perfectly with the, the mind of Christ. But what we get to enjoy today is the spirit of God, perfect spirit. And live that out through our bodies, through our minds, renewing our minds. But we need to purpose that. We need to choose that. We've been empowered and infused to never quit. This is awesome. The spirit of God inside of us is, is a never give up and never quit spirit. That is what we were created for, not to quit. So when you quit, it's probably because you've lost focus. You've changed your perspective. You've taken your eyes off of Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith. Verse 17 and 18 says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Mm. Being in prison. Present trouble, very small. Being in prison, very small trouble. Interesting. What are you calling troubles today? Wearing a mask compared to prison? For those online, I'm shaking my head. For our present troubles, Small and won't last very long. How long are we going to wear masks? Even if you wear it until you die. What is that? 80 years, 90 years compared to eternity. How long is 90 years compared to a million years? It's a drop in the ocean. 
We need to have a godly perspective. Paul had this perspective. Our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. We need to understand he was in prison. He was thrown with rocks more than once. Not pebbles, rocks. He was without food. When last were you without food for a number of days? Hopefully not since you've been part of this family because we're inviting you to come share with us if you're without food because we want to take care of you as much as we can as a community. But he was without food for various days or many days. Yet he saw it as small troubles and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Highlight. Think about this. He's talking about the things we're experiencing right now. Not the things we're experiencing, but while we're experiencing them, they're producing a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever what lasts forever think about this what lasts forever so we don't look at the troubles we can see now rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen what cannot be seen for the things we see now will soon be gone but the things we cannot see will last forever what lasts forever because this is the key this is going to bless you this is the key for enduring hardships and sufferings. Having an eternal perspective. Having a perspective, a mindset, your gaze set on things that are eternal. Now things, having a plural to it, we kind of think that it's things. Plural as in many things. And it can be confusing because then you're wondering like, okay, cool, what should I be focusing on right now? Like, Should I be focusing on like, Getting that house or like maybe like that shouldn't be. We're going to get there. Having an internal perspective. How does an eternal perspective look? We need to ask this question because this is what the word is talking about. Paul is writing. He says, we need to take our eyes off of the troubles we're facing right now because they're not going to last forever. We need to set our gaze on things that will last forever. It sounds very mystical. Okay, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about in heaven. I'm not going to be sick. In heaven, I'm not going to be poor. I'm going to walk on streets paved with gold. Let's think on those things because that's going to empower me to not be worried about the fact that I don't have food right now. Is that what Paul was talking about? When he says, think about things that will last forever. Having an eternal perspective is a, is an, is a perspective that is set on, that is dominated by, governed by eternal matters. The New Living says, verse 18, like this, and we're wrapping up. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Oh, I'll uh, just uh, read it again. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Does anyone know what lasts forever? People's souls. Nothing else. This the seat you're sitting on, the clothes you're wearing, the car you came in here, the house you're going back to, the food that you're going to eat, nothing lasts forever but one thing. There's only one way to endure the hardships that you're struggling with right now. It's setting your mindset on eternal matters. What is God's heart? For all to be saved, all to come to repentance. Start living a life. This is your, this is your key to 
overcoming all hardships, all trials, all tribulation. And I'm speaking from perspective. It's not like I've just had an easy, smooth sailing life and never struggled with anything. The only way to overcome, to reign, is to have an eternal perspective. Set your mind on things that last forever. People come in contact with the love of Christ. People's eternities being changed. For us to take someone from the kingdom of darkness and usher them into the kingdom of light. That is what kept Paul going. That is what enabled and empowered Paul to be thrown with rocks continually, to get thrown into prison and to in prison say, hey guys, don't pray that I be released from prison. Hey guys, pray that I would have more opportunities to preach the gospel because that is setting my mind on eternal matters. This is an invitation to each one of you sitting here this morning. Maybe you haven't been in prison. Maybe you haven't lost a lot of things. Maybe you haven't experienced a lot of persecution. It doesn't matter the severity of the things you've been experiencing. The point, the truth is still the truth. That there's only one way to overcome and to live a life on purpose here on earth. It's to set your mind on things that are eternal. And that is people. The people sitting around you, the people out there in your world, at your workplace, your family. Do they know the love of Christ? Are the eternity set up for peace, for joy, for love, for all of eternity? Because that is the separation that people are going to experience one day. Separation from peace, from love. Man, I don't want anyone to be separated from peace and love. I pray that there'll be a, a, a remembrance of this message to me when I walk out of the, the door today, when I go to the stores. Father, I pray that we will come to know and come to see. I'm praying this prayer for us, that we'll see, that we'll come to understand the severity, the intensity, the, having an urgency for people, people's eternities. So that I can see myself as a, as a valuable piece, a, a chess piece to bring in change into that person's life. Each believer, it doesn't matter how long you've been a believer, it doesn't matter how much of the Bible you know. Literally, it doesn't matter how much of the Bible you know. You just need to know one thing. It's God's love for you that Jesus came to redeem. Jesus came to die for you. And so the Spirit can live inside of you. And now your eternity is set up, but He wants your temporal to also be set up. So that you can live a transformed life. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.